When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard. Comes out to Essien! Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. He's doing a drop back. And now he's in the middle. Drop it. 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 Hello, welcome to Chesley Hour. My name is Meads, and I'll be your host for this one. I'm joined by Jerry. What are you saying, bro? Hey, good to join you, brother. Good. How you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad. I've been a little bit under the weather, you know, but. I thought I still, still had to rep on the pod. Still yeah. had to come on, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, us, us being Chelsea fan, we're used we're used to a bit of chaos, and this this international break, you know, it's kind of been a bit of a lull, like it is for most teams. It's quite unusual for Chelsea, um, yeah. but yeah, I guess we could kind of talk about the international break. I know it's not really been the most positive one for, for England, especially finishing I think bottom of the group in um, the Nations League. Not like that means much for us, um, but players that do play for Chelsea obviously got a little bit of a run out. Um, Mason Mount seems to be the talk of the town, considering um, he's been accused of being Southgate's favourite. Um, and that kind of seems to be a tag that he's always labelled with, with every single manager he plays under. Um, what are your thoughts on Mason Mount in terms of, uh, I, I guess we've had this conversation, the Mason Mount debate is, um, it's never ending really, I think it's never ending, he's a very polarising player um, No, that, that's literally the word that came to mind Yeah, so what, what are your thoughts what are your general thoughts on, on Mason Mount and um, obviously under Graham Potter do you think his position is under threat because that seems to be the talk amongst Chelsea fans at the moment um, it's a, he is a polarizing figure, and it's difficult to judge him accurately because 
um, as much as you try to stay separate and distant from all the chatter, um, you do you do absorb it. You do hear like a lot about him. Um, I it takes me back to the first time I really watched him, um, and it was that game that we played derby in the um, was it the, the Carabao Cup. And I don't know if you remember, but he had an assist in that game where he showed like real composure on his left to just square it across um, with a good a good ball. And I thought, oh, this is a player. It'd be, be good to see him back at Chelsea. And honestly, in in his first season, I was um, I was I was really impressed with his 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 engine. Um, I think intensity gets you a long way in the Premier League, and and he he had that in abundance. You you could also see flashes of his quality. Um, I remember that first goal against Leicester, the way he adjusted his, his body, clean strike on the ball to get into the corner. Um, so I thought generally, like this is a good player. This is this is a good player, and let's see how far he can go. But ultimately, with players like Mount um, or just young players in general, um, as you watch them more and more, you you, you learn more about their game, um, and maybe that initial hype. Um, you through that initial hype, so you gain a, a wider picture of what this player is really like. And for me, I think if you try and judge Mason Mount as more than he is, um, I think that's where the problem that's where the problem comes about. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a great player. Um, I don't know if he's quite developing at the rate which we'll see him get to that top, top tier. But um, I think in terms, you can't fault him for what he's done for Chelsea so far. Um, he, he doesn't he doesn't, doesn't pick himself. Um, and he was fantastic during that Champions League um, run. I think when he's on form, when he's, uh, when he's, when he's on his game, um, I love watching him in the pockets. I think he's really intelligent with the way he, he can turn in the pockets and, and find space. Um, but like like a lot of people, I, I'm frustrated with with his final ball. Um, you hope he developed that composure in the final third um, because he's played almost three season, three full seasons of football now. Um, so I'd like to start seeing him improve on that on that side. But I think he had a, a solid season last season. Um, I don't think he was as good as a lot of people um, are led to believe with the stats, and I think that will lead into our discussion later. But for me, I believe he's he's a good, solid player. He's got he's got um, a lot to work on in his game, and maybe being thrust into this this position as a, a leader of the team or a face of the team, I think maybe that's had a negative impact on his development because you know he's one of those players that just by nature of him always being in the side, um, he's going to be under pressure. But at the same time, it's not easy to be a, a player to come up through the academy and. What's that? Is that two or three managers now um, have, have have picked him, um, yeah, in, in, including South, including Southgate? Yeah, all three. Um, what it was? Um, yeah, first Frank Lampard. Yeah, uh, then you yeah. had two cool, and now Potter played him as well in Champions League. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one. Could Mason Mount again? I've I've always like appreciated his talents, and I've always felt like he could play for Chelsea. That was never really. Um, something that I ever doubted. Um, but now, like you said, watching him up close and really understanding what his what his game's about, because Mason Mount isn't really... Um, I think Mason Mount's... Um, he's, he's kind of changed as a player. Um, at the test, he was a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. Of course, he's loved scoring goals, but I think Mason Mount back then was a little bit... Um, a little bit more expressive. Um, I think a little bit braver with his passing um, and probably a little bit less selfish. I think he was um, 
a very much a team player at Vitesse. And obviously that might be just down to the fact that it was his first loan and, you know, in a foreign country and just away from familiar, his familiar environment. I don't know what it was, but to me, it seemed like he was just quite similar to how he was in his youth, youth days, really, um, where he just pretty much a team player, liked to create, liked to assist, um, and, but also he, he always had a knack for goals. Um, so I, I understand... I understand why there's a, a, a certain frustration with, with Mason um, because as he has progressed, um, I think elements of his game that do frustrate um, tend to be around selfishness in terms of just shooting from, from distance and shooting into bodies, um, not really creating enough opportunities for his, his, um, either his attacking teammates or his striker. Um, I also find it quite interesting that, you know, as much as, as hard as he works and as, as good as I think his technique is in terms of the way he receives the ball, his passing and striking is very... The execution. Uh, execution yeah. of it is execution, not really good. Yeah. And it's weird because I think technically he can do it. Um, but with a player like Mason Mount and the high intensity, high energy that he puts into a game, I also think that that kind of impacts his not just decision-making, but his execution. Because sometimes he'll have the idea. Sometimes he'll see the pass, but he'll overhit it, overcook it, or he just hit it into a player's legs. But, I, but that's not... I, I do struggle to criticise him massively, but I also think he's quite... He does have his limitations. Um, yeah. so I, think, I think with him, when, when you're talking about him, you just have to be balanced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it like... Because that's what he is, really. Mount's a pretty balanced player. Yeah. Um, He's not too much of a, he's not too much of something. So he's not really creative. He's not really a good goal scorer. Um, he's not really good in, in passing. So in the middle phase, he's not really that good. The final third, he's not really that good. But he's got some good elements to his game. So wherever you put him, you're going to get a, a pretty decent performance from him, um, by and large, um, over the course of a season. Um, but is that enough? Is that enough? I mean, wow. he came on for England um, against Germany and scored a fantastic goal. Again, technically, that was a brilliant strike. Something that he does like doing, cutting in on the instep and then bending it round the keeper. Um, first time. But, again, is that enough? Um, Boy. Where, where, where do you see him under Potter? Because right now it's very precarious. Because Potter's very new, brand new. Everyone's got a clean slate, so everyone's positions are really up for grab, barring Raheem Sterling, maybe. Oh, Mason Mount is inevitable, bro. <laughs> He's inevitable. And I, I think, for me, what what almost what I think is, I feel like he needs a, a manager with a really strong idea um, for him. Uh, you know, those those players who play under... Like, someone like Mourinho comes to mind, because when, when Mourinho gets you, he, he's... He, He's very specific with what he wants from you. So it's almost like a player like Mount who has um, a, a pretty balanced array of strengths. You you want a manager to say, okay, no, this is what I need from you. Just focus on this, uh, master this, and then we move on to the next thing. Because it feels like, you know, like like, like you said, that, that in-step finish, um, he's really good at that. But recently, when, when, he's been, when he's been trying to do that, I don't know whether he's putting more pressure on himself to, to, to score or, or what it is, but it just seems like he's rushing stuff. Um, and I feel like, you know, this team has gone through a lot of, of change in the past few years. And it's almost like 
he's another square peg in a round hole. Where where does he fit in his team? Um, he's been playing as one of the tens um, for, for a while, and um, I thought that position on the right really suited him. Uh, it takes me back to the, the game against Porto. Um, I think it was it was the first leg where he scored the goal. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought he was fantastic, um, and I really enjoyed how he picked up pockets, uh, picked up space. And I think we were we were um, waxing lyrical about his link up with Reese James. Um, they were just really good down that side. And I think where maybe I want to see him is I want to see him be the uh, facilitator for the attack rather than the the guy who's bringing um, maybe the final pass or um, maybe being on the end of things. I want to see him driving the team forward, laying it off to Reese James or or, or Sterling. And I think he can be that player who, who, who's the, the, brings the impetus to our attacks because that, um, that pace, um, that intensity is something that I think we definitely are lacking in, 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 in our attacking patterns. Um, but it's really difficult for me to say, because well, you, 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 I mean, I don't know much about Potter and it's really difficult to, to say where he can be used in this team or if he'll get the chance even um, to, 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 to lay a claim for one of those attacking spots. Because the thing is with Mount, you could always put him um, in one of those attacking 10 positions. But with the early season performance of Sterling and with the experience um, and the general quality he brings, um, that just there's one spot left, really. Yeah. Um, we've got about four attackers fighting for that spot. So it feels yeah. like whoever takes their chance first will get that run in the team to maybe establish themselves. So, yeah. I mean, where, where do you see him in the team? What, what do you see him as? It's a bit mad because, like, Potter, obviously, he's quite an experimental manager, um, which people like. Obviously, the way he set up against, um, what was it, um, Sparta in the, in the, was it Sparta we played again? I think Dynamo. Dynamo, right? Um, yeah, so Dynamo. The way he set up was interesting, um, very unexpected. Um, and I think Mason Mount, that game, when did he play? I think Mount played in midfield. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. I've always said, like, earlier in the season, I've always said, I want to see Sterling, Breuer, and Havertz at the attack. Um, because I think Havertz is a, a, a supplementary scorer, and he's a, a player that can roam free, and when he roams free, he can do damage, because that's where he's able to find the space and attack the space. Now, when I look at Mason Mount, I agree. On that right-hand side, he he done really well in the pass in the 3-4-3. Now, if we move away from that, I don't know if I'd put him there. Um, for the reasons that I mentioned, I think that Havertz would be a better supplementary goal scorer. Broly, I think, could score goals if he gets given the opportunity. And obviously, Raheem Sterling also gets goals. Um, so that front three, I think, I'd, I'd like to see. Um, and I'd like to see develop and flourish um, if given the opportunity. Now, where that leaves Mason is if it's a 4-3-3, then he potentially could slot back into one of those midfield three positions. Yeah, especially with our midfielder situation at the moment. Exactly. And right now, see, N'Golo Kante has just come back from injury. He's back in training, thank goodness. Um, obviously, we've, you know, we've got Kovacic, who can be a bit injury-prone at times. Jorginho is there. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is there as well. Um, so I think... With there, with there being free spaces, I think Mason could find himself probably in a midfield three. Um, but is he ahead of Kovacic, Jorginho, and Kante when fit? Probably not. 
I guess you could you could probably you know, but again, Mason is far more of a um, an offensive type of midfielder, so he'd have to really get some balance into his game. Because when I've seen him play in midfield, he does leave his midfield um, teammates kind of stranded. Um, so it, it it's all about finding the right balance, really, for Mason now. To be honest. Well, uh, let me just ask you a question. What what do you think has been the reason for his his start to the season? Because I, I remember spells like this. I mean, under Lampard and I mean uh, under Tuchel as well, where he yeah. just he just seems like he doesn't have any rhythm. He's yeah. he's just I, rushing I, things. I don't know what to put that down to, to be honest. And I think that's just him as a player. Because when you say that he, oh, when he's rushing things, I, I think that's pretty standard melt. Like he, most of the time, he's a he's a brute force attacker, right? So. These type of players like Bruno Fernandes, Ziyech, um, Mason Mount, these guys are brute force. So they're, they're going to do anything to force it and force whatever they're trying to do. You know what I mean? And it's not a bad thing because sometimes you need brute force to kind of knock a door down. Um, now, do I enjoy it? Too much of it? No, I don't. Because I think you have to have some sort of poise, some sort of composure in certain elements. Sometimes you need to force it. But in moments, in a lot of moments in games, you need some composure in the final, especially in the attacking area of the, of the pitch. Um, I think generally this is just what, what would happen with him. He just goes through ups and downs in the season. Um, his ups are very good. But his downs and his like, not-so-goods are pretty mid. And obviously he's still young. He's only 23. So you're, you're going to get the peaks and troughs of a young player. But he's a player now with three seasons of full, full-on experience in the in the league, um, non-stop playing. Um, so whilst he may be young in age, he's not too young in experience in the Premier League. So there's certain things that you really should be improving upon, and composure is definitely one of them. Um, because I think if he improves his composure, then he improves as a player massively massively and then people are going to stop really criticizing him um for yeah for, for that general lack i think i think people confuse his his quality because of his composure a lack of it i think yeah. if he was to become a bit more composed people will start seeing his appreciating his quality a lot more if that makes any sense i mean to be to be fair to him like not like that that composure we're talking about that is like higher level to elite yeah, level yeah, of, yeah, the, yeah, of the game yeah, yeah. yeah and and i think generally um if you look at his cv how many how many players at the age of 23 has have 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 achieved what he has so i mean to be fair to him he, he's doing okay but yeah, the, pro- the, the, the problem is when you're when you're part of a expensively assembled squad um who are as demanding as as chelsea are we don't <laughs> We're not we're not really patient with with guys like this, especially yeah. when there's there's guys on the bench who are, you know, who are wanting to take your place. Yeah, I mean, generally our our fan base isn't a, a patient fan base, um, but Mason Mount obviously gets a lot of leeway because you know it's proper Chelsea um, from the academy. Everyone generally loves him. I think he's again. I would say generally. I think a lot of match going fans love him. Um, but again, he's still a polarizing figure, and I think a lot of the hate that he does get is because there's a lot of match going fans that do love him for non footballing reasons, um, and then that probably riles up the other side, basically. Um, 
But it's interesting. So going from one attacker or one player that is brute force to one that is far far from brute force in Kai Havertz. Um, Kai scored two goals against England the other day, one of which was just unbelievable. Um, And people say, oh, why doesn't he do that for Chelsea? I mean, well, firstly, the way he plays or the position he plays is quite different and the role he plays in the team is quite different. Um, not, play, not playing against Harry Maguire every week. Yeah, not playing against Harry Maguire every week also helps. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, Havertz is another polarizing figure because I think people are starting. Well, not people starting. I think people have really lost their patience with Kai, um, and I think it probably doesn't help or hasn't helped that his position has been contentious for quite some time. You know, I mean, Havertz really has come to Chelsea as an attacking midfielder, hasn't really played as an attacking midfielder, um, and he's pretty much played all over the shop. Like, he's been like this expensive utility player that, you know, can do a job as a nine, so you play him as a nine, you know, can, can do a job in midfield, so you play him in midfield, can do a job out wide, so you play him out wide, can do it, you know, play him in a 10, so sometimes you play him in a, as a, a twin 10, in a 4 3 4 3. So it's just, He's not really had the most smoothest of transition in playing Premier League football, but not many people do. So what what are your thoughts on Havertz? And um, yeah, where, where do you currently stand on Havertz? And what were your hopes for Havertz when he first signed? So um, I, I liked the signing a lot. Um, I thought that the fact that we got in while everyone else was struggling with COVID and, and, and got him in was fantastic. Um, I was patient with him initially, um, and definitely uh, after the Champions League final, I was firmly on the the Bando Baby line, but Bando Baby twenty nine hype train. Um, but for me, I, I, with with players like Havertz, when the, when talent isn't the issue, um, I mean you, you're left looking for for reasons why he hasn't performed, and the the thing with Havertz is it, initially. It seemed like every time he was building up some momentum, um, something would happen, whether it's the broken finger after that, that performance against Spurs um, or getting COVID just when he was you know, getting into the swing of things. It's been kind of stop-start, obviously moving around positions. Um, but I felt when you know he kind of took Lukaku's place up front, uh, like back end of January, I think it was, um, and he started really playing well, I thought, okay, yeah, this is it. Um, we've given you the keys to the number nine position. Um, he had a good run of like six or seven games. Um, and it really seemed like he was, he was, you know, finding his feet in, in Chelsea blue, but it's this weird thing where it just kind of fades out of games. You, you, like that, maybe if, if you combine mountain habits, you'd have the perfect player because it just feels like he doesn't, uh, this is very yada of me, but he just doesn't want it enough. Like when you're looking at him on the pitch, um, and this is not talking about his body language. I'm talking <laughs> about his 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 action yeah. in the game. Um, <sighs> he just kind of drifts drifts in and out of games. He's very like, uh, I'll, I'll take the ball, I'll pass it off, and and maybe I'll get it back, but maybe I won't. And uh, yeah. then I'll come up for 60 minutes, and then and then we move on to the next game. And I felt like he he he. Like I was like, have we? Have we? I remember. I remember putting in the in the, in the group chat. Have we waited eighteen months for for three weeks of good form? Yeah. And it just feels like 
I don't know. I, I, it, I'm, I'm worried for him, to be honest with you, because um, if you remember what I think it was Giroud said um, about the difference between his time at Chelsea and Arsenal is, listen, at Arsenal, you get, you get all the time you need because the club aren't going to go out and buy a 60, 70 million striker every, every summer. But yeah. with Chelsea, that is absolutely the case. And if you look at um, the, the areas in our squad that need improving, I mean, you, we've talked about, I mean, it, it's been talked about that our midfield is, is an area um, that they're looking at improving. Um, our strike for, sorry, our goalkeeper um, also has been talked about as an area that needs to be improved. Um, and a striker is definitely another area that you think he's already got competition in, in Aubameyang. He's already got competition in um, in Brozier. And those positions behind the attack, I, I just, I think maybe this is, this is a key season for him where you think, okay, this is you're coming into your is it third season as Chelsea player. Yes. Um, and I mean, it's it's at the point where the opposition fans are are getting onto his back, and we we, we don't have anything to to fight back with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he's he's not giving us any ammunition. So yeah, I mean, <sighs> look, I feel like I feel like with Kaya. I feel like he's generally a um, a guy that's quite misunderstood as a player, and I, I I fully understand what you're saying in regards to um there be some games yeah where he's really on it like and you're like oh my days this is it like like I remember against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final like the energy the hunger the fight. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. This, this, this is the guy. This is, I, I get this. And then you also get some games where, like against Everton, where it's like he's getting beaten up off the ball. You know, he could do better as well. It's not like he, you've seen it against Liverpool. You've seen it against other side, like Real Madrid, like physical. He's like, he's on it. But then against Everton, he's like, well, you know, I don't really fancy it today. And like, Obviously, it's easy to be motivated for big games. And I think that's why Havertz generally in big games is pretty good in the big games, you know what I mean? So whether that's for Germany or for us, I think in, in the bigger games, Kai Havertz generally shines. Um, but th- it, it can't be just the big games you turn up for. It can't be just the big games that you motivate yourself for. And I feel like Havertz, maybe it's just his body language, maybe, but I think more physically... He doesn't stand up and be counted in some of the smaller games or some of the less important games where there's a physical battle and he's not he's not generally putting himself about. Now, one thing I must say, that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. Now, I don't need you to put yourself about, especially, especially when you're not a striker by trade, right? I don't need it. But there needs to be some level of effort that you put in in when it comes to contesting jewels and stuff, right? You know, you know what? I, I disagree. I feel like I feel like recently, anyway, he's yeah. been ab- he's been about the scrap. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying no. I'm not saying I'm saying this season. I, I'd say yeah, I, I'd agree. You know what I mean? I'm not saying, and I, I wanted to caveat that by saying that I also feel like he's also now he's gone completely the other way, doing a bit too much, yeah. and he's not really focusing on, on his game at times. I feel like he's. At times now, too, he's like encouraged to be this fighter guy, 
you know, crashing into guys. You, you should just play his game, calm down. You know what I mean? I've, I've, yeah. I've been like saying, like, look, there needs to be a balance, right? For most people, for most players, there needs to be a, a level of balance, a semblance of balance. And I feel like once you go way too much on the other or, or one of the ways, you're always going to get a level of criticism. Now, with him, I just feel like if you take the goal burden off of him, I think you'll get a much better player. Like for Germany, for example, he started up front as a nine, right? And again, he was doing the dog work. He was doing the he was doing the garbage. You know, he was running, running, running to the earth on the flick, um, like running like a madman. You know, getting into challenges, putting himself about, doing the ugly stuff. Um, but then you rarely saw the real quality. You rarely saw the real quality. It wasn't um, it wasn't the real habits. But then in the second half, where he actually played as a 10, this free Roman 10, this is when he started to do real, real damage. And England couldn't really live with him. They couldn't pick him up. You know what I mean? He was moving into the pockets, you know, really just ghosting into areas where they, England were completely uncomfortable. Um, and then he, he showed his quality, man. He showed his quality. Again, a goal from outside the box. Not something that the Chelsea have, you really, you know, you wouldn't really associate a goal from outside the box with Kai Havertz, but, you know, it's, it's something he's fully capable of doing. Um, but, yeah, I feel like once you once we see him in a position where he's relatively free um, and isn't having to do all this stupid dog work, like, consistently, I think having it in, in you to do it is good, but always doing it, always running yourself into the ground, yeah, I, I just I just don't get I don't I'm not with it. You know what I mean? I'm not with it. I know a lot of men are passion merchants and they want that. I like it to an extent, but I, I need you should also you should also you should also have composure and become that I could I feel like he's become a bit more rash in his play as a result of this super this like this run around until it hurts type of mentality. You know what I mean? I feel like once you you get the free and you know, free Roman Kai Havertz, you get a bit, you get the best version of him. Um, now, whether that remains to be seen, if he, he gets that kind of role under under Potter, because you know, it, it's got to be quite interesting. I do want to see and that, that that kind of leads me on to, I guess, this weekend and you know, just firstly, just Potter in general. Um, what are you feeling about his appointment? Obviously, I've, I've, I've discussed this with num- numerous uh, members of, of Chesley Hour. Um, what are you feeling? What are you kind of um, hoping for? Um, and do you think that he, the type, as the type of manager that he is, do you think that he, he can actually get the best out of some of these players? Um, I've always been of the opinion with, with managers um, it, it's it's all about the process, um, and I feel like you know he's coming into a situation where, I mean, people are saying that he he's never had a high pressure dress room and he's never performed in the Champions League, so he's almost coming to a situation where, in a way, he's not really under that much pressure. Um, I mean, obviously, it comes with a job, but these the, the owners have picked him like this is their guy, um, so I feel like I want to see him be confident in his process that's that's what I was disappointed with in in that first game um and I feel like you can uh, that's okay in the first game where you know he hasn't really had time to work with the squad and it's just kind of 
putting a team out just to get through the fixture. But I I, I want to see something. I, I want to see first of all. I want I want to see champagne football back at the bridge. Um, I want to see. Um, Let me ask you this: champagne football, right? So, yeah. what, when, when was the last time we saw champagne football? Oh, well, I might have to say sorry. You know, it's pink. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? I think we've seen it. Like, we've seen it at times. We've seen it at times. There's been some dominant performances, but. But it, it was always dominant performances. Yeah. Dominant performances and never dominant periods. Yes. You know what I mean? You get the odd big game and it's like we're smashing you to pieces, but it's not full on domination throughout like a, a period of, of time, like two months, three months of just consistent bad boy yeah. performances. Yeah. Um, and I know that's very un, like, unrealistic, but we've just not had that for quite some time. I think the last time I thought that like, we genuinely had that was Conte. Um, yeah. yeah on, under Conte. Um, and obviously that was a completely different team. We had a real striker, um, we had Eden Hazard, we had uh, Seth Fabregas, Matic, Kante when he was fully fit. We had a fully, fully different team. Uh, e- even that, I don't feel like that was full on champagne football. I just feel like we were just a machine. Huh? We were just a machine. Are you, are, you, are you forgetting Chelsea versus Everton? What the Brilliant. 4 0? Don't get me mad. That was champagne stuff. Everton didn't sniff. <laughs> Everything couldn't have they get in touch, they barely touched the ball. We absolutely smashed them. That was like full on, and all the goals were high level. That's all high level football, man. I remember the goals like that yesterday. So yeah. that was that was pure champagne football. And even then, after the switch to 3-4-3, I thought that we were just fantastic every week. Like yeah. every week, there was not one game, you know what I mean, where it wasn't great. I think even when we lost to Tottenham, I think it was. Um, on New Year's Day, we still played fantastically well. Like, I, and I, I just, yeah, man, I, I think that was real champagne football. Under sorry, I think we had spells of. I don't even remember real, real brilliant football under sorry. To be honest, I think there were some moments. I mean, like against um, Arsenal in the Europa League final, I thought we were brilliant. Um, I guess but, four weeks before then, I think we're good as well. I just don't know. If, I couldn't say champagne football though. For me, uh, for me again, for me with sorry. What, what I mean, what I meant in particular when I say champagne football is it wasn't always. Um, we weren't drilling teams three four nil, but it was just the way we moved the ball through the thirds. I think at that point, especially, we'd just come off um, a few like, shall we say, defensive managers, um, and just the 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 way we were moving the ball through the thirds. I think we were playing with, with um. Everyone knew where the next pass was. We we draw you in and then play out. And sometimes it was just beautiful to watch. Like, the, obviously there were there were issues um uh, in those games where teams sat back and we didn't quite have I don't know what, we we couldn't quite break them down and it was just passing from side to side or it felt like it anyway. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. That's not champagne football. That was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> that was horrible. Yeah. Do, do you remember? Do you, do you remember? Do you remember 58 minutes? Barkley yeah, Kovacic, Kovacic for Barkley. Oh my god, that sub every single time. Yeah. Telegraphed. You know what but, I mean? But do you know what came to me as you as you were speaking? Yeah. Um, in that in that team in that Conte team, it felt like he found a situation or a formation that everyone was comfortable with. Yeah. So if you like, I remember it was what David Luiz, uh, 
central centre-back. Per- perfect for him. Suited him down to a T. And then we had Asphilicueta, right centre-back. Again, just made sense. And then who was it left? Gary Cahill. Uh, let's not speak about him. Uh, Marcus Alonso, left wing-back. Again, suited him down to a T. Um, who do we have right wing-back? Victor Moses. Again, found a position that suited him. Um, he bought in. He played it. And he was fantastic. We had um, Fabregas and Matic. Again, we had one guy who could who had the legs and the one guy with the creativity and the guile. We had everything just made sense. We had we had Pedro, um, Costa, Hazard, and yeah. that's that. That is what I want from Potter. I want him to find a system that makes sense. No more chopping and changing. Let's get the players that we that we that he he thinks fit into the system, um, comfortable in their positions. Let's get a team that's balanced and makes sense, and then get rid of all the other guys. Yeah, and let's build, let's build an actual team again because we've been disjointed for far too long, and I think that that definitely has an impact. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. I feel like, I feel like, man, I, I look at it, yeah, and I say, like, I feel like we've got the team there. Like, we can do it. Um, we've got the pieces. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of people think that we're, we're worse than we actually are. And our players are worse than they actually are. Um, I, I think that we've got, we've got enough players there to, to be a competitive and a good side. Um, but I do think there are just some glaring areas that need work. Um, obviously, I'm not the biggest fan of Aubameyang. He'll, he'll score goals probably, but, you know, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, so I, I, I am worried. I'm, I am worried about the, the, the goals. Uh, um, I'm not, but, but, but I'll give it an opportunity to, you know, before I write it off, I'll give it an, an opportunity. Um, now, Potter himself, yeah, I, I, I think his teams generally play good stuff. Um, so I don't, I don't really worry too much, but I do feel like Chelsea lack a degree of automotion, like automation, and I feel like under Conte and even Sari to an extent, and to be even too cool, to be honest, there was a degree of um, automation in our play. Um, and I build up with Kante, that triangle with Kante. As be Reese James out to Kante out to the ring, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like we that that we need that because that's that's a that's a level of continuity that I feel that is important. You know, building building patterns of play is is very very important because um, it also helps with chance creation. Um, so that that's what I kind of want to see from Potter more than anything. Like you know, I know obviously I want to see great football, you know, great and entertaining football, but. I it's more about like I feel like with Tuchel we entered the final third so often like 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 every other game like we're we're into we're not even every other game I feel like every game we're like entering the final third in good positions every game um but I just sometimes I'm thinking is it just the players or is it just the manner in which we're entering the box you know what I mean um are we entering the box? You know, with good play. Like, are we counter pressing into the box? Like, you get what I'm trying to say. I want to see like a real, real process of pa- patterns, like attacking patterns. Um, and yeah, because I'm used to it. That's what I'm used to, um, and that's what I enjoy really. Um, but yeah, the, 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 I feel like the players are there. I also think that we've got a lot of players, and that's a big problem for me more than anything. Um, 
the sheer amount of players that we have is a problem because everyone's going to be wanting to play. Potter's probably going to want to rotate, and I just don't want him to. I want him to stick with his guys and play with them. I'm saying. I mean, I, I feel like where so go, go, going back to the, the point about you know lots of players. I and going back to your point about Aubameyang, so I was actually comfortable with the Aubameyang signing because for me, in my head, as the self-proclaimed president of the uh, Amanda Broja fan club, yeah. um, I think he's Aubameyang as a signing is perfect for Broja because you've got the experienced head in the building who almost takes that pressure off you mm. to be to be the the top goal scorer but, but he's a he's a guy who's obviously done a lot in his career scored a lot of goals so there's that there's that hunger from Brojo because if if Havertz is is in front of you in, in the attacking line, lineup he's not really a striker so you're not really fighting that much whereas I think Aubameyang and Brojo could work because you've got the young upstart who's ready to prove himself and then you've got the experienced head who maybe when Brojo's going through the peaks and troughs any young player has, uh, then you've got Aubameyang dead step in. And mm-hmm. the, the, we, we, I, I think it's a two plus one contract with Aubameyang. So it's not, it's not a massive commitment um, to him. And the, the fact that he's not, you know, Potter's guy the same way he was with Tuchel. I think there's more space for Brojo to, to come in there. Um, and I think with, 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 Managers like Potter, if you can get Chelsea playing like Brighton, um, or if you can get Chelsea playing good football, I always believe if you play good football with good players, generally things go well. Yeah. And in 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 speaking about the, the, the chance creation, for me it was always funny when people said, "Oh, we don't create chances." Um, we enter the final third a lot, and what I know, what I noticed, the difference between us and teams who are a bit more. So this is a word Tuchel used to use precise in the final third is we get into similar areas but it's just that that last bit of quality to get the ball into the in the, that key pass to get the ball into the area where someone can just square it across yeah. or just because we, we get into we create chances but well, that's a, Jerry the thing is though the thing is I'm where I, I agree but I also disagree because I feel we get into those areas but that pass is always off like <laughs> like don't get me wrong like But I also feel like maybe it's the fact that we expunge so much energy in the counter-press that that pass is always going to be off because so much energy is put into, you know, getting there. That makes sense. And I think Tuchel touched on that. He touched a couple of times saying that, look, maybe we're using energy that the focus isn't there when you're trying to get that final pass off. And that is so frustrating, man. It's so frustrating. But and but then that's where you start questioning whether it's actually the player's quality or not. Because for me, sometimes I'm confused. I don't know if it's the players yeah. that actually. And that, that's where disappointment is so interesting. Because yeah. we're, we're we're going to see now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because I mean, Potter's done it at Brighton, and yeah. whilst his team weren't super scorers, they're a team that created plenty of plenty of chances. Yeah. And by virtue of Chelsea, us being Chelsea and Brighton being Brighton, we should. By the laws of averages, we should be a bit more potent in front of goals and, and our players should create plenty of chances. Now, if there are cases where, you know, where we're not, we're still fumbling, then, you know, the players definitely need to be looked at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we're playing Crystal Palace this weekend. Um, 
it's back to the back to the grind, man. We're gonna be playing what a game every three days now. Yeah, every three four days. Yeah, man, that's crazy. So against Palace, um, Palace away as well. Pat Vieira has been he's done a fantastic job so far, man. So what what are you feeling in terms of um the result? Um, what are you feeling? Um, do you think we're gonna get the win? One and two. How would you set up against Palace? Um, I, I'm quietly confident. Um, I think even in a period of transition, um, I think Palace will give us a good game. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, they've got a a squad that seems to be really coming together and attacking wise, um, it looks like Zaha's in good form. Um, I'm, I, I think we have enough. I think we have enough. To, to, to come with their threats and I feel like I would go I would stick with the 3-4-3 I mean I don't think I don't know what what kind of things we've been working on the training ground but I feel like this is kind of the period where um maybe we stick with the the formation that we've been playing for the for, for quite a while that Potter's quite comfortable with um I'd probably go Bafana, Silva, Kulabali, mm. uh, Kikarella. Reese James, um, Kovacic, Kante. Actually, maybe not Kante. Um, it's it's hard in the middle. Um, maybe Jovacic if they're both fit. Um, and then probably considering his good form, I give him uh, on international duty. I'd give him like a chance to maybe build some rhythm with um, Kai Brojo Sterling. But I definitely want to see Brojo start. I think. Um, I, I think I saw a, a video on on I think it was Chelsea Instagram or something about Aubameyang, um saying he's not fully fit, but he's he's working on getting there. So I I think he should be contributing, but I, I'm maybe not starting quite yet. Um, and I definitely think Brozier, like he's got to start at some point. Um, and I think this is a good game to give him a go. Um, so that that's what I'd go with, and I feel like. The you know the the one v one ability of Sterling and the like interplay with between um him and Kai could work, um and I definitely want to see that front three tried out. Havertz Havertz loves the game against Palace as well. Um, yeah, the thing is, um, I completely agree. So with with Broja, I feel like he's been chomping at the bit, man. I think that every time he's kind of come on this season, like for me, he's shown something. And shown enough that you know he can he can be a, a menace and a, and a real problem um, in in the team. I feel like brings so much energy, uh, but also just centre forward quality. Where you know, yeah, he causes yeah. danger. He causes real real danger, man. And I feel like that's something that we've lacked for such a long time. Like I, I look at our attack at times, and I feel like where is the threat? And like. I mean, pure threat that is going to strike fear into defenders. And I feel like he's got that about him, man. So, Broya, for sure, I think he should start. Um, obviously, Aubameyang hasn't really looked too sharp um, since he has played. Um, so, I'd, I'd probably say Broya should get the nod. Havertz, again, I think he should start. Um, goes without saying, really. I think if you want to have Broya up there, you're going to also need to get some support um, in terms of goals. And not being the you know being a main threat, 
Um, so I think Brogia and Kai would be a partnership. Um, and obviously Raheem Sterling, who's been, you know, really a really real shining light in that attack um, this season. Um, scored two goals, scored four goals and, and got one assist. Um, so, yeah, definitely our most productive attacker. So, yeah, I think that attacking three would be a, a good team. Obviously, Brogia likes it against Palace. So does Kai. Um, so, yeah, I think that that'll be my team. Now, in terms of oh, my, my attack, anyway, um, obviously Kante's definitely not ready to play. Um, I think it might be Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek in, in midfield. It might be a free, um, a four-three-three, um, or four-four-two variant or sort of some sort. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I feel Jorginho, Kovacic, and Loftus-Cheek maybe in midfield. Maybe Mason Mount ahead of Loftus Cheek, but I don't know. Reese James obviously at right back. Kudabali and Fofana, I'd play. I'd probably give Thiago Silva a rest because he's been away on international duty. So I'd rather him rest. Um, he's nearly 40. So yeah, Thiago Silva, I'll sit this one out. And I'd probably play Kukurea over Chilwell um, at this moment in time. And yeah, Mendy in goal. He's just come back from injury. What, what do you think about this whole Mendy situation? It's very interesting, right? Because his form since the African Cup of Nations has been oh, very disappointing um, because he had such a fantastic 18 months um, that, you know, he put all of the Kepa worries to bed. Um, so he's a super, super goalkeeper when he's on form. Obviously, we set defensive records for the Champions League win in 2021. Um, he wrongfully was robbed of the Yassine Trophy. Um, but ever since the AFCON, his form has been so up and down and genuinely quite costly. Um, it does. Tuchel said something. It does feel like every time he makes a mistake, he's punished. Punished, right? There's some keepers that are able to get away with it. But I, I just feel like we he's been punishing like us, like mad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the Champions League against against Real Madrid in the first leg, he absolutely killed us. You know, yeah. so unnecessarily. And again, if that goal didn't go in, we would have went through. You know what I'm saying? Like I, there's been plenty of occasions. I could I could name plenty of occasions where you're like, oh, you, Mendy, nah, man, that's that's not that's not it. You should be doing way better there. Or he just made glaring errors. It's not even like, like you know, when Kepa, yeah, Kepa isn't good for me technically as a goalkeeper. He's not good. Um, Kepa's shot stopping again, not good because there are many goals that we can see with Kepa, and you're like, oh no, Kepa, you should do better there. Oh no, you should do better there. Uh, however, Kepa for me does not make glaring technical. Yeah. Moves. He doesn't give goals away. Nah, you know what I'm saying? Well, uh, well I disagree because you, you you can pack him in for 40 I, yards, but it still has to be a decent strike. I don't think you should be getting packed out for 45 yards. <laughs> but Kepa does not make glaring technical errors on the ball or glaring. Te- yeah, I, I yeah, I generally don't think Kepa gives those technical errors. I don't think he brings those. You know what I mean? And Mendy, for what it's worth, was very good on the ball in the beginning of, for, for us, in the beginning. 
I don't know what's happened, but there has been a massive drop off since the Afcon, and it's bothering me like mad. So all this talk about goalkeeper, I welcome it um, because hopefully that will help him buck up his ideas. One, two, if th- it doesn't and this one persists, then he may actually need to be replaced in general. Um, if he's given us what eighteen months of high level football, high level goalkeeping, th- thank you. So then you know we wish you all the best. Obviously, there's still this contract dispute in regards to you know him getting a new pay rise. So he wants to get paid as much as Kepa. But Kepa's are over are inflated anyway. So that needs to be, you know, put to bed. So if if he's not willing to accept what we're offering him, then you know, it's it's no hard feelings, my bro. Like we, we appreciated you for two for twenty-one. But you know, we'll see you later, man, and we'll get in a new keeper. There's been talks of Magnan um at Ace Milan. That'd be a good sign. He's a great keeper. Um, but there, there, you know, there's there talks about even Selena, the one that we've got from uh, from America, coming in in January. So it's um, interesting times ahead, man. Very, very interesting. Mendy needs to watch himself for sure because mm-hmm. can't persist. What are you want to pause on Mendy right now? It, it does feel harsh because, like you said, he came in at a time where we we absolutely needed someone to come in and, and do a job for us in goal, and he did he did way more than that, um, and. It's almost like it, it's, it feels harsh because it's, do we do we stick with him, show faith, and see if he can get through this period? Because I mean, he saved us, so do we owe him something there? But um, at the end of the day, you've got to do what's best for the club, and it's almost so Kepa's been on the shop window for about four transfer windows now, and uh, we can't we can't shift him for for love nor money, um, so. Are we are we going to stick with Kepa as our backup option and go get another keeper? Is Kepa going to compete? Is he is he going to want to compete? Is that good for squad morale if he's he's not being given a chance to win his place back? Um, it's a it's a, it's a difficult situation, but ultimately I feel like um, Mendy was obviously the, the transfer fee we paid for him, look, the age profile. Um, he was never the keeper that we were bringing in for the next ten years, um, and I think maybe we need to start looking for that option who who's going to who's going to be our goalkeeper option who's who's going to not not um who who are we going to who are we going to go for because obviously Mike Mania is like the right profile um he's young um talented good shot stopper um and it, it it kind of feels so slimy to almost start looking past Mendy. It is, man. It's not like, like <laughs> it's nasty. However, the game's the game. The game's the game, bro. And if this form persists, he has to get replaced. Now, I'm not saying that we should replace him in January. I'm not saying that he should be sold. I believe that he deserves to actually play himself into form. I I believe he deserves that because of what he's done for us. But there's only so much rope you can give to a, player, a person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, and with this contract dispute as well, in terms of him wanting more money, that's also probably going to not put him in the best of light, considering his form too with the fans. So, yeah, it, it's, um, it's a bit of a mad one right now. Now, like you said, Magnan is the right profile, um, young, very good goalkeeper, technically good with his feet. Ticks all the right boxes. So, yeah, it does feel slimy. It doesn't feel quite right. 
But like we said, the game's a game, man. It, but, but then, and also, what, what what does that say to Gabriel Stanino if we have we've got to sign another keeper, potentially have potentially have four four keepers on the books? We we sell. Well, no, I, I I do I do agree though in terms of what you do, um, Mendy. You'd probably sell Mendy, isn't it? Like if you can't agree a new deal with him, you'd probably have to sell him. In terms of Kepa, I think we he's pretty expensive. His wages are super high, so even trying to get rid of him is very very difficult. I think his contract's till twenty twenty seven or something weird like that. Or 2026, something mad about that. Um, that's a struggle. Um, so Lina's he's still young. He just he just came, so I don't think he's going to be demanding starts or anything. But yeah, I, you I presume you get rid of try and force one of them Kepper out or force Mendy out. I think I think that's all really you can do. So so Kepper is a free agent in 2025. That's crazy. Oh, and a seven seven year death row contract. That's crazy. On what two hundred and thirty k a week? Ah, oh, man, lord. But, but I mean, it's it's. I feel like the 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 transfer value has been. I mean, I'm amortized over four years so far. So I feel like we it's at a point where uh, we can cut our losses. You we can know, cut our losses, man. Yeah. New regime as well, man. Let's cut our losses real quick. We don't we don't need them. We don't need, I mean, like. Yeah, we we can just get rid, man. We can get rid. I think that we're gonna get to a point now where it's like, okay, it's time to go. Um, but yeah, man, I I do think the goalkeeper situation is rearing its head sooner than I wanted it to, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But it's what it is. Again, it's Chelsea, man, chaos. That's how we thrive. <laughs> that we move. So what 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 do you think? Like, how do you think this season is going to play out? Because obviously, right now, I think we're all accepting that. Listen, we're we're just trying to get into top four right now. But what what what? Yeah, just generally, how do you, how do you think it's going to play out? I mean, I feel like it's. I feel like my minimum expectation is for him to get top four. Um, is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. Um, especially considering the position that we're in right now. But I think we've got the squad to do it. So there's no reason why he can't do it. Um, so yeah, my expectation is that top four. Um, how do I think it's going to go? It's going to be quite messy. Because again, my, the reason why I think it will be messy is because the amount of players that we have. I think if we were able to cut it down and cut the amount of attackers that we have, I think we get more continuity. And when you get more continuity, you get more consistency. Um, and I think I'd be more inclined and I'd probably enjoy it more once we get more consistency in our game. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, man. Again, this is, it's just Chelsea. that You, you never really know what you're going to get, man. So Because I, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, being, being the 29th of September and Tom Tuchel's no longer our manager. I would have never envisioned that. Yeah. So you just have to just strap in and yeah. see how it goes, man. It's, that's literally, that's it. What, what about you? What do you think? See, I'm hesitant to say the season won't be a success if we don't get top four. Yeah, fair enough. But then I'm also very conscious that we're almost at the start of the building process. And when you look at the 
the, the the players that are being talking about are being talked about for next summer. I mean, uh, there was a recent bit from Fabrizio Romano that we are in the race for Bellingham, um, and it's just you can see that obviously these are ambitious owners, and yeah. it will make their job much harder, and it will make next season much more difficult if we're not in the Champions League. Thanks. So just from that, just for that alone, it, it like. I was gonna say, oh, let's just let's just play some good football, um, bed in the squad, get a, a plan for what's what the squad's gonna look like next season. Use this season to sort of like almost as a launch pad for next season. But now thinking about it, we need to get top four. Yeah, we need it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's no for me. There's no two ways about it. Really, that top four is like a must, and that, it feel, it feels even nasty. Like that being a, a point of contention, <laughs> it feels nasty because we're so that's us, that's Chelsea. You know what I mean? At least fighting, being in and around it. I thought this season we'd be in and around the, the for the league. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't want to drop my expectations and demands too drastically just because of how it started. You know, so yeah, definitely. And I think I think on the face of it, we do have a, a, a really good squad we've got a good like block like this this i i really did like this summer um, business like i think for fana um once he finds his feet i think that's an excellent signing um Kulabali, again quality player uh Cucurella, i loved him so far um reese james looks like he's just putting putting the whole team on his back wow. um, and that that just that's a solid that's a solid base right um, forward from there gets a little bit techy, but, <laughs> but I think I think we definitely have enough. We definitely have enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree, man. We definitely have enough there. Um, but we just have to see where how the pieces will fall in. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah, it's, it's got to be interesting. But I guess we'll leave it there, and then we will catch us catch us again next week. Um, appreciate you for for joining me, Jerry. Yeah, no worries. Uh, hopefully, we get the win against Palace, man, and put us off to a winning, well, a winning Premier League start. But yeah, all right, we'll catch you guys later. Appreciate the listen, like and subscribe. Um, follow us on iTunes. Also, join, follow us and subscribe to YouTube because we've got a lot of video content from the main pod going on there as well. And yeah, man, we'll catch us next week. See ya. Peace. Podcast Network.